If you'd like to contact the show, send us an email at liveonfourlegspodcast at gmail.com or get involved in the conversation on social media. Join the Pearl Jam Podcast community group on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at Live on Four Legs Pod. Everybody loves our town. We, we, we hope we've been good ambassadors for this town. And as we've traveled around... And, and uh, you know, not all groups can be proud of, of their heritage, but, but there's, uh, we're, we, uh, we hope we can live up to the, the legend of all the bands before us, around us, in front of us, um, just trying to be, hold our own ground. And, and, and if, if, if you could see what we see, and, and maybe you do, and, and, but all the different flags from all the different countries, this, this happens on a nightly basis. Even in Canada, they somehow made it across the border. Um, it's a geography lesson every night with, with flags. We just gotta tell you, you know, Brazil, all these people coming to Seattle. It, I, would, I would think that this, this vision of all the flags and all these people here to listen to some music, I, I would, it, taking us out of the equation, Whatever, whatever occurred to have this happen, somebody like Nelson Mandela would be proud. I just... And speaking of Nelson Mandela, and, and I, it's a rare, he was a huge Mud Honey fan. <laughs> and away we go. You're listening to Live on Four Legs, the live Pearl Jam podcast experience featuring... Mr. Stone Gossett! Fucking camera in the jump. everybody now welcome to live on four legs a definitive live pearl jam podcast and today we're covering the show from seattle 2013 it's very long it's 36 songs long that's why i'm i'm gonna cut the intro short today usually i go a bit longer on the intro however today we got more important things to talk about so i'm gonna get right to the chase randy sobel over here john farrar over there hello quite the intro there yeah, I know. I'm really setting the table with all the interesting factoids and going on and on and on. Ed, Ed will talk enough for the both of us at this show. Sure. How, however, I want to address yeah, just 2013 in general, because you got to do 2013 shows with a couple of guests when That's I was right. away. Yep. yep. And I, I happen to really like 2013 tour. 
Uh, I thought they did just some incredible things on this tour. I thought every show was just on point. Uh, there's a lot of special stuff that deserves more recognition than it gets. And, uh, you know, I, 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 you can go on from Hartford, you can go on to Charlottesville, you can go to Spokane and a couple of other ones in there. 2013 is a pretty important year for them. And I know it's now been eight years, so that's enough time to kind of really digest it. But since it's been eight years, how do you see this tour year among the big guns, among the 1995s, among the 2000s, among the 2003s and 2006s? Where does this one stand? Yeah, I don't think you can compare it to the 90s. I think you've got to look at it compared to like, Oh six, I think is the closest. Yeah, okay. And even then, that was that was a lot more, a lot more shows. Even in two thousand six, you know, two thousand thirteen, it was just it was a quick run down the east coast, a quick run up the west coast, and then that was it. If you look at twenty thirteen and twenty fourteen together, the picture gets a little rosier. If you throw the the, some of the twenty fourteen and stuff in there, you had obviously Moline and Milwaukee that that was important. So I think if you look at the two years together as a whole, then you start to approach like some of that mid 2000 stuff that the 2005, 2006, the people absolutely love. But yeah, I still don't think eight years is enough. I don't think we have the benefit of kind of looking back on this as fondly as we will someday. And even then, like, like you said, we did a couple of episodes over the summer and it was, it was great. And now that they're back, sort of Pearl Jam's back, they did a couple of shows. It kind of like makes you a little more you realize that this is a little further away now and like we're not going to get 36 song sets anymore really so it's this is kind of it's it's you know it's the beginning of the lightning bolt era but it's also the end of a different era like even even 2016 2018 were not what this was so right different so this is it's a little too soon to be like kind of wistfully reminiscing about it but uh, we will someday yeah, do you think that, like, the idea, and I know that Lightning Bolt is pr- is probably on a lot of people's list, number, n- number 10 or number 11, and I get that because it's down there for me as well, uh, and that's just by circumstance because everything is really, really good, and Lightning Bolt is is good, but it's not it's not worth everything else, for me at least. But do you think that there's going to be a point where a lot of these songs, like maybe a pendulum, maybe a let the records play, maybe even a swallowed hole that really doesn't get a lot of credit. Maybe people will be opining for these songs and be like, where are these? Why are we not hearing them? You know, if they're bringing back binaural and riot act stuff, why can't they bring back these songs? That's a discussion we'll get into a little bit later. But do you think that there's going to be a little bit of nostalgia for these songs at some point? I, I personally don't think so because maybe for a song like Pendulum, but with all the Gigaton songs hitting on fire the last couple weeks when they played, I think everybody's not looking back. I think they're looking forward, which is kind of it's unique for Pearl Jam. I, I, I think a lot of a lot of the times, especially in 2013, that's why it's so unique. Because they they did pay homage to a lot of those other tour years and a lot of those other albums. But I think we're looking ahead now. I think this is different. Look, I mean, they didn't play any Lightning Bolt songs. Nothing. At the four shows they played last month. And you haven't heard anything about it. it, you, You and I mentioned it and it was like, oh, wow. Like, nothing. And yeah, I don't see it happening. I don't. 
I think that's fair enough. I think that maybe yeah. one or two songs after a while, maybe somebody would be like, you know, it'd be nice if, if Mind Your Manners kind of came back once in a while, or if it does come back, you're like, oh, you know, that, that's a good reminder of, of what that was. And I don't think people will be disappointed by it. But I think a point that we're going to get to later in Encore 2, actually, surprisingly enough, is that Backspacer hung around a lot during the Lightning Bolt era, a little bit more than he thought it would. And it's just weird that so far we haven't seen the same for Lightning Bolt in the it, Giga Done. It had it had five years. It they they played a, they right. played these songs a lot. You're right. So I can see where they might have been a conscious decision by them, like to be like, let's make this a dividing line between what came before and what's gonna come next. Like we we played those songs a ton the last five years that we were touring. And let's let's make a break here and let this be something different. I feel that. I, I think this is the best year since 2006 and probably will be the best tour year, maybe until they do something in 2022. Maybe. And 2016 was good. Don't get me wrong. 2016 was very good, but I don't know if it was like this. 2016 was still sort of lingering in what this territory was. Yeah, so, and, the, and the people at home are, are screaming, going, Tenadelphia, Greenville, blah, blah, blah. Toronto. They're all amazing. But you you, got, you and, got to take those out and of Wrigley's. it. Those, those are Those are one-off things. If you, if you right. take those out of it, then it's it's a different conversation. Yeah. Right, and I'm thinking, like, set lists, and I'm thinking, you know, more along the lines of, like, per- performance and, and just everything down the line. And look, that's an argument. If you want to argue argue that with us, that's fine. I'm open to interpretations. I'm open to all opinions on that. Please, on the social media or email live on four legs podcast at gmail.com. It feels like for a podcast that does tens of thousands of episodes, we don't get enough emails. So <laughs> please, I I, uh, I recommend you, you send us something. We, we love mail. We'll, we'll write back. We will, probably quickly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I think but, and part of it too is you know 2022 these shows that we're hopefully going to get when when they come back next year they were almost 10 years younger at this point than they will be next year that makes a difference right. like the age catches up with everyone and it's catching right. up to Pearl Jam and this was a time when they were younger than they are now and that makes in a difference their 40s they will not They're be that age again then. nope they, I mean Jeff is close to pushing 60 yep. so that's a scary thought it's a very scary thought, but it's reality. So we move forward. Uh, this is actually, this is part of the hometown series that we've been doing all year. And we have a couple more episodes, you know, we're in November now. And, uh, you know, that, that means obviously one month to go, but we're going to do a couple things in December. We'll, we'll obviously do, we have one of the home shows that we haven't done yet. We did uh, night two of the home show a couple years ago, but, uh, night one we'll get to, and then, uh, we'll get to something else. If, if you can figure it out, you can figure it out. But, uh, uh, if not, then, then it'll be a surprise, I suppose. But this was actually, on our radar before we even decided to do the hometown series and uh be- that's because it was a patreon request from our patron drew vipon so thank you drew this was a very good request this is a good show to do and uh you know anytime that people request a show like this that has some big moments and this was a home run kind of show to request in a way, because you know that, okay, you definitely have good things to talk about. We have good banter that we'll put together. Every show is going to be different, but he knew what he was doing here, and he has a good story. So I'm going to tell his story now, and uh, let's just get to it. So this is just my third time seeing Pearl Jam live, but the first time going alone. I had skipped my now ex-girlfriend birthday. We can see why she's now an ex. 
to see Portland show the week before and was now skipping class to take the train up to Seattle for one more. My parents dropped me off at the venue and drove away before I could grab my jacket, so I suffered through the will call line in 28 degree weather wearing a t-shirt. That's hilarious because I think I had talked to somebody months ago about them not having a jacket at the Calgary show from this year, the, the snowstorm yeah, show. Yeah. And uh, I, I'll have to track down who that, I think I know who that is, but um, I, I believe that's the story. My 10 club assigned seat ended up being nearly as far away from the stage as you could be right in the middle and high up. Mud Honey was a great first act and seeing them perform in Seattle felt like a glimpse into an era that I'm too young to remember. Pearl Jam got to the crowd singing right away with amazing versions of Nothing Man, Elderly Woman, but it was the next few songs that made it clear that they were, in Eddie's words, not going to go home before we tear the fucking roof off this place. And they really fucking did. We got rarities like Pilot and Let Me Sleep, which was a pleasant surprise. And there was a heavy dose of 10 with Garden, Black, Evenflow, Porch, and Alive. We got a Backspacer duo to kick off the second encore, Supersonic into Got Some, and a small portion of the night was dedicated to vinyl, Let the Records Play, followed by Spin a Black Circle. But the highlight of the set list was hearing the singles trilogy, Chloe Dancer, Crown of Thorns, Breath, and Say the Love and Trust. Now, I think that's a quartet, not a trilogy. Come on, give, give Chloe Dancer. It's, it's due well, on On singles, it's, they're combined. Are they, okay, okay, yeah. so they're the same track on singles? Yeah. Okay, yeah. all right, then fair enough. I, I will take, uh, yep, I, I, will, I will take that as an answer. For a show that ended up being one of their longest, the band kept their intensity throughout. The atmosphere felt just as much of a party that it did a concert. Eddie brought out the three-foot-tall wine bottle and nearly finished it amongst a few bandmates and friends in the front row, and he told stories about the inception of the band and the origins of some of their earliest songs. He even introduced a woman who had saved his life the years before, and she received a large ovation from the crowd. As the wine kept flowing, the dad jokes kept coming, and some of the lyrics became increasingly unintelligible. Near the end of the show, someone I believe was Mark Arm came out and tackled Eddie. That was not Mark Arm. Mark Arm was on stage. That, yeah. Well, yeah. I don't know who that was. And if that, you it's, do. It's Matt Lucan, right? I think that is Matt that Lucan. I think so. That, okay, then, all right, that's obvious. All right, because I found out, so when Mike dropped to the, because Mike dropped his guitar, he gave his guitar off uh, to go give stuff in the crowd, I found out that that's Tim DiGiulio. That was Tim DiGiulio that took yeah. his guitar from Stereo Embers. Uh, so I thought it was somebody of that vein, which, it's a Seattle guy, so yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. But yes, that that is a... Uh, yeah, he did mention that, that Lucan was there. I think he was just on the side of the stage, and he saw the Mud Honey guys go out, and he was like, Hey, I'm gonna go fuck around. He's probably like wasted. Like, yeah. Oh, he had a PBR in his hand. Yeah, yeah. I'm ninety percent sure that's Matt Lucan. Okay, all right. That's that's a really good call because I wasn't sure, and I was trying to dig through the boards to try to find if anybody talked about it. But now people are just like, eh, "Let me sleep." Isn't that okay? Yeah, just bored shit, you know. Uh, so anyway, uh, the crowd helped him out with the vocals while he was down. Mike wound down the night with Yellow Ledbetter and Little Wing as Eddie laid down on the stage, rested his head on a monitor. It was truly a Pearl Jam fan's dream concert, and the set list that belongs in. The Hall of Fame. Well, that's interesting. Should there okay. be a should there be a Hall of Fame for shows? 
I think we're doing it right. These shows, if we we're giving ten, if we give a ten to it, you and I both, I think that's that's the Hall of Fame, right? That's that's an interesting call. That's a really interesting call. So now we might have to create something like that on live on four legs.com then that, that commemorates these shows maybe. because it can't just be like, okay, you listen to the episode and understand that it's a 10. Like maybe that's a serious. Oh, now, now the ideas are flowing here, like visible hall of fames and stuff like that. Like where's, where's there a Cooperstown in, in Atlanta, Georgia, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I mean, it could be right outside. It could be in, in Bellevue, Washington for, for all we care, but you know, uh, anyway, thank you, Drew, for the story. Um, you told basically the story of the show. Yeah. Thanks, Drew. Uh, That's great. Now we don't have to talk about it for two Wrap to three up. hours. Yep. So thank you everybody for joining us on live on four legs. Next week we will have an episode from just kidding. Let's get into pendulum. Intro for Pendulum rolls for a few extra measures here. Ed tipping his wine bottle off to the crowd. And it kind of, you know, I just want to give Pendulum the very early song appreciation for the day because this here and just sort of the roar from the crowd that you kind of get to, this felt like the crowd was appreciative of the appearance of Pendulum because I think at first maybe it was kind of different for people and they didn't digest it the same way that they would have maybe another song it it was just a different way of doing things but by the end of this tour i think people were really saying you know what pendulum as an opener works and it's really good yeah i i agree this was this was great they'd been playing it non-stop throughout this 18 to 25 shows yeah were the opener so they got to a i think early on it was a little like hit or miss but by this point and this you know last show of the tour hometown show that i think the ninth time they played the key arena so they're they're familiar with this place and i i would argue maybe even a little too familiar but i think yeah this is this is great like it breaks down to just ed like early on with just the voice and it then it kind of builds itself back up mccready's got the bow thing down jeff another really nice like bass thing like he figured out what he was going to do he he, he'd been playing around with it the whole tour came out with something that he really liked and i even liked the like cameron does a little kind of finishes off with a little drum outro which i thought was very cool this is one of the best performances of the night i thought you know what i don't disagree with you yeah i don't yeah. disagree with you at all i thought the stuff that mike was doing with the bow sounded really good here i thought it was it was it had a different vibe to it and i thought he was doing, putting a little something extra into it and i think that's something that people sort of 
forget when it comes to this song that it's like, in a way, its own little spectacle because Mike can do something like that and he doesn't do that on any, any other song. So I, I wonder if that was part of the idea of, hey, this is why we want to open with it every night because Mike can do something that is a little bit different. He comes at, he, he always came out with the big leather coat on, the big leather jacket, sometimes a, like a fedora hat. I don't know if he had the hat on at this show, but it, he kind of made a thing of, of like just putting an act out for, for Pendulum and then kind of taking stuff off as he, as he went along. But it feels like those things kind of made Pendulum, the one that they wanted to go to, the one that they, they knew, okay, this is going to be the opener, this is going to stick with us. And if it's going to be the opener, then we have to kind of implement this slow build that we did in 2013. This is a huge storyline for why, at least I think, a lot of 2013 is really special, because the three-song open is phenomenal. I, I th This was something that, look, you want to call the opener shows, like the Mansfields and the Gorges and stuff like that, like, those are big moments. These here, they've done it before. It's happened before. But this consistently being done worked for them at the time. Especially, you're not getting an opening act anymore. You're getting full Pearl Jam for probably three hours. In this show's case, three plus hours. And you, you want to ease into things. You kind of want to give the crowd a couple of moments before you really hit them hard to adjust, to, to kind of get some sing-alongs and feel-good moments. That's why we have nothing man and elderly woman following yep. up Benjamin. You hit it right there. It's There's no opener. They've got all this time. The set needs to be restructured. You can't just come out when you're playing for this long. You can't just extend the punk rock set. They're not going to come out and do 10 punk rock songs in a row. That's just going to that's going to break them. So, yeah, you've got to spread it out and figure out a way to have these little ups and downs throughout the set and get through, you know, 30 plus songs. So, yeah, it's 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 really well done. And like credit to them to not sticking with the same ones every time we saw a bunch of different stuff get mixed in in there you saw i mean nothing man here is great the crowd immediately jumps onto it so that gets everyone into it i think they, they did a good job of mixing these up i, I really like these feels like nothing man's identity and to kind of introduce you into what the show is i think it belongs as the number two or number three and that, that's where it works right here yeah. and, you know what? Interesting. I don't have too much on the performances. I thought they were, they were very good. I thought Ed was strong on Nothing Man, but very interesting. Jeff remains on the upright bass for Elderly Woman. So I don't I don't know how often that happens. Yeah, that was cool. I noticed that as well. And there's there's a lyric change too. He says, "I yep. just want to scream at home." I'm home. Yep. Yep. Very mm -hmm. cool. If you have it out there for Nothing Man, why make the change? You know, yeah. they're, they're gonna go into the, like you said, the punk rock, the heavy kind of stuff right afterwards. So why bother with it? And it sounds good. That's fine. Interstellar Overdrive intro into Corduroy. That's gonna follow up with, well, the combo from this era, Lightning Bolt and Minor Manners, which I think worked at the time. And, and listening to it and listening to all these shows, whenever we do this era, it's kind of like, okay, they used it enough. It, it It's been done to death, but it's fine. But this whole this whole section here, like this feels like a pretty prototypical 2013 spot. What what uh what impressed you the most from this? Oh, um, yeah, sorry. This is where this this set starts to bore me a little bit. I I, I like Interstellar Overdrive. 
But this this corduroy, I think, in 2013 corduroy is not my favorite because they're just playing it too fast. Like you said, it, it loses all its power. It started to bore me a little bit, started to feel a little stale. And I think it did to them as well. And that's why you've seen it kind of reworked in the last few years. I think they kind of realized, like, this is just starting to sound the same every time. Like, mm-hmm. you know, and Ed and Jeff at the end have, have a pretty cool moment. And it, it, it still is Corduroy. It still is one of their best songs. By no means is it ever going to be, like, filler. But I just felt like it just didn't have the, the oomph. And I'm, and I'm glad, I'm, you know, listening to this, I was, it kind of hit me. Like, I'm glad they reworked it. And I know a lot of people don't like that new version. But if they were, if they were just going to keep playing like this, it was, it was never going to be anything special. So I'm, I totally get why they, why they redid it. For Lightning Bolt, it sounded a lot like Cheap Trick. You know, I've been doing a lot of those 2014 reviews. We just did the Crocodile Cafe thing where we talked about Cheap Trick, Patreon. That really hit me as a kind of a Cheap Trick song. So... It, this this didn't really do anything for me, which is weird. Yeah, yeah that's, that's hey, look, I, I think it's pretty common, and uh, I think if if anything, it reached exactly what the bar of corduroy lightning bolt minor matters does, and you know you get your moments. Ed, that that was when he said in, in the beginning of lightning bolt, like we're not going home until we tear the roof off this place, and you get the big towards the great northwest line and matt 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 has a good moment at the end of lightning bolt 2 it sounded good minor manners has a little bit of good call and response but it's it's common it's common but you know what this is going to be a show that has a lot of uncommon stuff so you kind of need to hit them with some familiar things and hell this is the first time they're playing at home since 2009 so right right give them the new stuff give them the stuff that they haven't had a chance to hear so, uh, fine, but I don't know if I'd call it boring, but I'd definitely say it's it's, it's hitting the averages. And, and like you said, Corduroy has been played 578 times. Of course they need to change it up. Like, you would be an idiot to think that they would just keep doing the same thing over and over and over and over again. Maybe another band would. They would not. So, before giving a fly, Ed says that this is kind of like a Seahawks game right here with just kind of alluding to all the the crowd noise and the people going wild and all that stuff. But good evening, Seattle. It's good to be back home. We don't have to travel anywhere, so we can give it all we got tonight. And he talks about the weather on the tour and how basically every spot they went to, aside from Wrigley, was perfect weather, perfect perfect atmosphere, and uh, the the way that they woke up that day, it, it was perfect out. So everything kind of kind of hit right and felt right. And I, a lot of these shows, aside from maybe, I know there's some there's some things about the Baltimore show, and people say like that Jeff was in a really pissy mood at the Baltimore show. Uh, I haven't really dug into that one too much, but aside from maybe that, they were in really good moods and at at this tour from what I have picked up from these shows. Yeah, it, so, it almost is like they like I said, they were a little too comfortable. Like everything's a yeah. little too relaxed. It's almost like they need some some tension and they need something to go wrong to create a little angst and a little put light a fire under them a little bit. Although it doesn't happen. Nothing goes wrong. But and maybe that's where does that where stuff like uh, Moline and, and Milwaukee kind of come in? Like, okay, this is this feels a little repetitive. What can Maybe. we do to shake things up? Maybe. So, uh, bust out the big bottle of wine. Dedicates giving a fly to Raul Ibanez, who I've met before. He's a nice guy. Giving a fly 
goes into Pilot, goes into Garden, goes into Getaway. Three of those four songs you don't get every day. Given Fly you get very often, but you see some good crowd participation. The GA is just jumping up and down, and that was a pretty cool visual with that. We have Pilot here that was introduced as being written based off of a book by Mikhail Bulgakov. And he kind of says that, you know, because Jeff wrote the song, Jeff's the intellectual in the band. There was a funny moment in the beginning of Pilot where Ed walks away from the mic, not realizing that he starts the damn song. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. They had played it 23 times to that point. Why get it wrong? For all the bootleg collectors out there, why get it wrong? Uh, but not a lot of the Odin obeys, listens, kisses, love. Yeah, that didn't come yeah. until like the last chorus. I, I, that disappointed me. Disappointing. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to tee up the, the other two and then we can kind of talk about this section a little bit. But uh, Garden, he said, was written obviously in Seattle because a lot of these songs were written in Seattle. But this one was written in Seward Park. So get a little bit of a little bit of backstory here, a little bit of backstory on some of these. And uh, all right. So so I mean, this section is kind of it, it's it's big song by deep cut to old deep cut, 10 deep cut to Brand new song that hasn't really been busted out a lot. So what's your take? What's the key takeaway from all this? The weird thing is, is going from Garden into Getaway because you're going from this super heavy song to like this kind of pop rock song. It was just a weird transition there. And Pearl Jam can do weird transitions. They, they, They can do that very well. But this one, like, I felt maybe you flip them and it hits a little harder, but it just felt like Garden lost a lot of its power by following it up with getaway because getaway here again just didn't have any teeth to it i thought yeah i I think look it's only the six out of 16 times that they were being played and they were probably because it was the last night of the tour they were trying to say you know what we want to get this where do we get this okay throw it in before even flow and maybe it gets kind of a moment here I, i i just it's probably the biggest disappointment off the record that this wasn't a better live song. I go back, very seldom go back to the uh, studio recording of this because I love the studio recording of this. And I just listen to it and I'm like, how they couldn't pull it off. I, I, I have no idea why they couldn't pull it off, but it just nothing in the chemistry that they can come up with that made the song good off the record. It just didn't happen. Some songs, maybe you can say that the the opposite maybe you can say off on the record it's just kind of oh, oh yeah. okay it's, it's all right a lot of songs you can say that for yeah i think there's some a gigaton you could say that a lot sure. about maybe maybe more than than most but probably it, you know I, it was a, it was probably the biggest disappointment of the store that's a hot take maybe. but probably maybe. not much of a hot take hmm. yeah see that moving on cuz we got a lot of songs here uh even flow sirens magic mike playing behind the back when the solo kicks in, running around to the front of the stage, feeling the crowd energy and getting the feedback from the amps. It's, of course, a big moment song and kind of bouncing the hits around, too. Like, Corduroy, 
couple couple new ones. Give it a fly, couple rare ones. Even flow. Oh, and yeah. gonna kind of do this a little bit for the next couple. So that's that's interesting, interesting way to to spread them out a little bit. Uh, sirens, I think, look, Ed talks a lot before Sirens, and I guess address it because uh, he mistakes Matt for Mud Honey's Dan Peters. I don't know why, but he's like, oh no, Matt, Matt plays for Soundgarden, not Mud Honey. He's, I think he was he was just trolling. He was just Okay. Was I wasn't give, sure. He was trying to give Dan Peters a shout out, I think. That's okay. That that's fair enough. But then he goes on about the inspiration to writing Even Flow, and I think that the next Seattle show that we do, we'll talk about that a lot more. I don't yep. want to harp on that here because I, I think that the next one will be the moment for it. But I think it is important that oh, they're yeah, talking he, about absolutely. homeless we'd, youth. We we'd never we'd never heard this story before. At, at this point? Yeah. Had we not? I don't think so. Well, okay, then that that's interesting. But yeah. I, I just I think that I don't want to repeat stories here. I, I think yeah. it's more important for the next show. Yeah, we get a little more exposition at the next one. Right. But I, I think it is interesting and it just kind of attributes to what the band has always done in Seattle and always fighting for trying to help home, homeless youth and homeless youth center, which is the Orion center. And this is an interesting prelude to what the home shows would become, which would be a massive fundraiser for homeless youth in Seattle. So hats off to them. That that's, that's phenomenal. It's obvious that back then they, they wanted to do something like that. And then five years later, they were able to do achieve that that's that's remarkable but they were also doing something he mentions macklemore and i think a lot of people think this is funny i don't i i don't really know macklemore i i, I can't can't say i care that much but his banter like, about like macklemore, dance music right it's like dance music it's a little hip-hop it's a little yeah, yeah it's, it's just it is i suppose but they had a little competition going like i i didn't right. i didn't go back and look to see who won but nope the probably probably macklemore yeah, but the Orion Center end up ends up winning anyway. So good of course, that's that's all that matters. And apparently, he got three nights at the Key Arena instead of them. Uh, and it sounded like Ed was kind of mad about it at first, but he kept saying like <laughs> "fuck Macklemore." Everybody say "fuck Macklemore." And the more he thinks about it, the matter he gets. Yeah, of course. But I, I think they're buddies, and he gave out Macklemore's phone number at, at Voodoo Fest too. That's so right. you know, yep. they're, they're, they know each other at this point. Um, and. Uh, Sirens following even flow. You get the outro on sirens, which I don't know if they were doing yet. Did they do it at other 2013? I just don't know the answer to that. Cause I know 2014, it was consistent, but 2013, I'm unsure. I don't think this was the first time. I think they had started doing it as they went on, especially okay. on the, on the West coast leg. I think, cause there was a little break there. And I think they, it's one of the things that started popping up a little more on the West coast leg. If I remember correctly. That makes a lot of sense. And there's a lot of those West Coast shows that I either have listened to, like San Diego or Phoenix, and just have kind of forgotten about or haven't heard at all. So, look, I run my notes because I was taking notes from the couch with this show, a uh, three-hour show that I had to get done in, in a day or so. Um, I wrote for In My Tree, just let John talk and I'll listen. You know what? This is, this is my favorite Pearl Jam song. Yeah. And this one did not do it for me Again, really i okay. it's it's good it but it didn't it didn't hit on those moments when the song is supposed to hit it just felt like they were just a little off on it it didn't pacing themselves maybe it didn't feel like they were fully in it and yeah just this one it was it was missing something i thought for whatever reason well the energy after sirens 
Like the energy just isn't there for an up and, and in my tree kind of needs to follow something. If it followed evolution, I think that that would have a little bit more juice to it. Following sirens, you're kind of like, you need to build into evolution, so it's kind of, uh, you I can can't see really that it. I think compare. it does best when it follows like a really fast song and you, you kind of like it, it carries yeah. some of that momentum. Yeah, I can see that. Around the, I guess the backspace era, it was getting like tossed in the third, the fourth song and like coming after last exit and stuff like that. So yeah, I, 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 I get that. Yeah, I think, I, I think I'm with you on that. But okay, that's, that, that is an honest opinion and uh, one that I admire that you, even with your favorite song, just kind of say it was not up to snuff for, for the day. Yeah, and I, I think, it, again, I, and it's nothing against the show. I mean, I, I probably come off like I'm, you know, bad-mouthing a lot of the songs. It, it's fine. It's good. It's just I think that they were in a weird mood at this show. Not weird, bad, but just because it's, it's the last show of the tour. They're ready to be done their home like it just it didn't have a lot of the power that a lot of shows have i think this is more of like a a fun happy show which is great like and you know drew was there spoke very glowingly of it if you're there it's fantastic but i don't think it translates very well on recording on going back and listening to it it's one of those things like a lot of the stuff we talk about all the time you had to be there if you're there you're having a great time because the band's in a great mood they're playing all these songs but you go back and listen to it, you're like, these uh, maybe, you know, and with us too, we're spoiled because we get to listen to a different one every week. You know, some of the ones we've been listening to lately, like, I look forward to In My Tree, like, oh, that's going to be awesome. That's going to be the highlight of the show. And here it just felt like they were a little too comfortable with it. That's all. Okay. That's, uh, that is a fair and trusted opinion. And uh, I don't know how much of all that I really share with you. I, I, I like, I think there is power in the show. I think that there are moments that are powerful. However, well, there are... when we get to the encore, I'm going to do a complete 180 and flip around. So okay. be, be ready for that. All right. Well, I, I think they're they're even here in the main set, too. Like, even if they're positive and a little bit more, ha- I think they hold some weight. And we're about to get to one of them in just a sec. The section is evolution, unthought known, black. Ed botches a little the evolution lyrics early, and we get a good South American type crowd response to it. And that was really big in 2013. That kind of translated over to the U.S. audience. Jeff and Mike do communion, as we, as we like to, to mention. Oh, yeah. I'm watching for that every time now. Unthought, I thought, was one of those that was just there to be played and not a moment and felt more transitional than anything else. Like that, I was not impressed by Unthought Known. Yeah, it was, it was fine. It was right. fine. That's, that's, when I say not impressed, it doesn't mean that's a bad performance. That means it, it was the baseline of what the song is. Yeah. However, there's a, there's a there's a funny before we get to that. There's a funny part in do the evolution. I think Ed holds the mic out to the front row. He's like, they're going to show you how to do it because he's he like knows those people. Like he actually like picks up the mic stand, goes holds the mic over the barrier, lets them sing. That's that's going to come back later too. But yeah, I like how you funny. actually I like how you actually went off mic to to describe that as yeah, if you it, were for, actually for those doing of you it. who are watching on the on the video. Portion, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, you mean you mean on YouTube where we just put up the, the right. logo graphic and that's For those all of you who are listening in in VR on your VR headsets <laughs> in, in binaural. 
<laughs> coming coming 2027, you all. Black? Okay, so, you know, I think Black is the, the biggest talking point of the three here. Uh, and that's just because we haven't really talked about Black in the last few weeks. And that's rare for us, because we usually get on yeah, the streak yeah. of... And Black being one of those songs, Rearview Mirror kind of being one of those songs, Corduroy can be one of those songs sometimes where, like, week after week, it's on fire. It's just on fire, and you're you're just getting a better one as you go along. It's weird that we haven't gotten Black in, like, a month or two because we've got we've had a festival show. We had uh, a couple in, like, 98 where they weren't really playing it too often. But here, I think this kind of goes into what you were saying before. I think... Maybe if I were to read your mind, you would have wanted Black to feel super passionate and powerful. And I thought that this was not, I thought that this wasn't like the deep getting into the inner darkness and emotional part of of Ed when you get the best versions of these songs. However, you can get a fun and positive version of Black and have it still be good. It might be a little weird for what the song is but i think it's okay when you have a fun version of black that's fine right yeah it just didn't it didn't bother me at all yeah i mean it's okay it's over eight minutes which is what what you get with black now yeah Mm -hmm. and it, it 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 touches all the bases it's got the the really good we belong together it's got a really good mccree solo I, I was think about to maybe. say, what what do, do what do you think of the solo? Because I thought this the solo was was excellent. It was absolutely. But I think this may have been put here to maybe because again, this is a this is a long main set. What's this? Three, six, nine, twenty. Twenty. I think this might have been put here to kind of like break up the the monotony of this run. I think they were kind of getting a little stale for Pearl Jam again. That's. <laughs> their stale was a lot different than a lot of other bands stale but I think they had done the let the records play spin the black circle thing a bunch of times Unthought Known was getting played a bunch I think Black was put here to kind of like let's throw ourselves let's try to throw ourselves off a little bit and see if this works because Black had wasn't being played in the main set a lot this is weird a little bit this is going back to a, a bygone era for them to throw in a black here and i think it i think it works it gets a big like it's unexpected from the crowd you know that this crowd has probably gone to see a bunch of shows and they're used to hearing black in encore two where it had kind of cemented its little spot and it carved out its, its little place and that's where that's where it sat and to throw it in here i think is brave and be like yeah let's we're, let's give them some so again you they start playing it and it just wakes up the crowd immediately like oh okay cool and yeah, I thought it, it did the job very well. Another, another, another highlight of this means that. Okay, I I gather from everything that you just said that you did not look at the paper set list before. No, I did not. Because you would have mentioned this. Black was not originally on this set list. Do you know what was? No, I don't. Of the Earth. Ooh. Yeah, that's a tough cross off. That, that is, one. But, that but one black hurts. Is, black is one of the only. Man, um, yeah, of the earth. That's yeah. a big sacrifice. Yes, that's rough. I think of the earth. We know we could do a whole episode on of the earth, obviously, but yeah, it's just one of those. They it just as by feel like it gets put on the set list. And if if they're not feeling it, then it's the first one to get crossed off because the atmosphere's got to be perfect for it. Right. You, you kind of have to know is this is this a crowd that's going to know this? Is this a crowd that's yeah. going to appreciate this? Yeah. Well, I, I don't think that that Seattle crowd. I don't think they would have had a problem with it at all. 
this might have been more of a greatest hits crowd. Yeah, I think even, you know, we're going to get to that in with Better Man, where Ed has to kind of like, kind of oh. light a fire under them a little bit. Like, uh, right, yeah. you, you guys awake? We, are we good here? So, yeah, yeah this, this is more of like, uh, and, you know, no offense, that that's just the way some crowds are. And you play in your hometown and like the people come, they want to have fun. But like, it's, it's just a different thing. And that's one thing that we've learned doing all these Seattle shows is like, it's just it's just different when you when you play at home and a lot of bands deal with that you know yeah you, you have to kind of find a way to break those those shows up and kind of break your crowd up and like throw a little wrench into things sometimes do you think it might like i i don't know is it because it's the last night of the tour i think there's a lot of you know probably more more often than not there there are more people that are following them that probably did vancouver maybe did portland a couple days before that but do you think that it's because the people that are following are just like it's december it's cold out you know, we're yeah. tired. They don't like, play a lot of shows in December. We didn't, we they, didn't talk about oh, that, of course. Yeah. No, 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 no. Yeah. And I don't think they had since 2002. Yeah. That's just and off many, the top and of my how head. many times do they say, like, oh, it's 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 the next to last show that's the best. That's the one you want to go to. Right. And, but, however, I don't really know much about the Vancouver show. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, that's kind of speaking of that. But all right, let's uh, let's move forward, because as you mentioned, uh, let the records play and spin the black circle or the combo here. And that's been done enough times to where, where you kind of you're right. You get the point. It's not not wanted, but you kind of understand what, what they're going for there. Ed, Ed's toasting Matt Vaughn of Easy Street Records. Of course, that you, you have to, uh, you know, when in Rome, you know, that that's that's the place that uh that you want to give the credit to i thought that records play was actually pretty good and i don't usually think much of let the records play it's not like one of my songs but perfectly perfectly fine stone stone sounded good uh spin a black circle look it's it's not the era for spin a black circle but i think that mike's energy and watching him do you know at first him and jeff are doing the little circles and then mike i think he does at least three to four laps Oh, at, at least. least, yeah, yeah. But he's he's running, he's doing the whole rotation out there, and he's ar- around the drum riser, and he's playing the whole way through. And maybe that's due to some of the okay, is there energy here? Is there like you were trying to say, like where where is that? Where is that power? Maybe the band is saying that. Does that light a fire under them? I don't know, but I think that maybe more than the actual song performance, I, I think that just seeing. The energy off of that was was the best part. It's become such a visual song. Like you, you don't, you never would have thought that. Like, you, like you said, you get Jeff spinning around, then Mike's running around, and we we talked about a version a few weeks ago where Ed's like spinning the the mic stand for like like vinyl. Like these two have kind of become the the anthem. So yeah, I, I thought this was was perfectly good. Speaking of when in Rome, Ed takes the guitar. He's kind of like just strumming, and, and it, it sounds like it could be a little bit of slow looking, but it's not. Don't want to even bring that into the equation here. But he's mm-hmm. uh, dedicating this to Matt Lucan, who's in attendance, who we seem to think was drinking the Paps Blue Ribbon that Ed tackled later in the night. Obviously, that that would make sense. It's it's a good friend of Ed's, and I would assume that in the fridge of Matt Lucan's is probably some Paps Blue Ribbon that they were drinking in. Oh. One hundred percent. Circa nineteen ninety five, nineteen ninety six, when this song was written. This clocks in at I didn't see the time for it, but if I were to count, probably forty five to fifty seconds 
What are the lyrics? There are no lyrics. Nothing. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, real quick, I wrote the, uh, the my top fifty thing on the web. If you haven't checked it out yet, I I made a top fifty list of songs in two thousand nine. Then I made one again in two thousand thirteen, which was around this time that we're talking about now. And I decided because I I refound them a, a week ago. I decided to make mine now because obviously they're kind of coming at all different sorts of stages and ages of fandom. But the one feedback that I got from it that was I thought was interesting and I got from a couple of people was that why'd you why'd you leave Lukanoff after the first two you left Lukanoff? And people were like, you're, you you kind of changed your taste. What did you like stop liking the fast songs? And I'm like, no, no, I, I left Lukanoff because of this. Because he, they, they just ruined the song. It's it's good, and I, lo- I, I I like when it gets intense. But it just why even go through it? And all it is is like a setless collection spot. That's that's it. It doesn't have any anything. And I guess to some people, like that's the thrill of Lukin to get kind of the. I don't know, like the just Ed screaming for forty five seconds, but. I, uh, to me, I don't know. I, I I would rather like Luke and be really intense. And no, I I don't like it this way. I don't like to hear. Yeah, they're and then do you? Again, they're 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 just playing it too fast for him to sing. He just can't keep up. Right. And right. It's. I mean, go back and listen to the studio version. It's it's not a breakneck thrash song. Like it's not a a hardcore song. Like no, it's not mid tempo. It's fast, but it's not breakneck speed fast. And like, it's, this is just, it's, it's bordering on ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's really good versions of Lucan where he can, he can spit it out and and get through it fast, but we haven't, we haven't done this, this show, I think yet, but there's one where he, he asks if anyone in the crowd knows the lyrics and brings up a guy to, to, to sing and he gets through it for him. But yeah, again, this, why play it? If you're right. And it's just, people only see it as being hard. you showed Pilot the respect of like restarting the song because you wanted it to be right, and then here right. you're, I don't know. Maybe it's because his relationship with Matt Lucan and like it just kind of is seen as sort of a joking matter. I don't, I don't know, I don't know, but I, I, I think that you're right that it's not a hardcore song, but people kind of take it that way because it's only a minute long. Yeah, and people yeah. seem to think that. You know, uh, there's there's a great compilation if you'd like to go seek it out. It's called Short Music for Short People. And it's all songs that were written under a minute. And it's not all hardcore songs. It's all, it, it's just regular stuff. It just has, you know, just one verse and maybe a chorus and, and is over. But it's all really catchy, good punk stuff. But not this. So I just 
want to throw that out there. But ending your main set is better, man. And I thought that this was a showstopper. Uh, look, I, I think I, this is another visual one. 100% another visual one. And when you get the 20th song of the night and you get the the atmosphere that they're in, the, the, the way that they're entertaining the crowd and, and the way that they're having fun, I... Um, I popped hard for this. I really, really enjoyed this Ed and Mike moment. Um, yeah, this, remi- this, is, this is good. Yeah, it reminds me of the Ed Jeff poster. The, the you, you know the one. Everybody knows the one. It's from Pink Pop, I think, right? Yes. Asked me. Would they go back or to... Drop in, it's either Pink Pop or Drop in the Park. Yeah, I seem to remember what Jeff was wearing at Pink Pop. I think more mirrors what he was wearing on the poster but we can go back we can go back to to figure that out i have no idea but they're doing the back-to-back thing they started off by kind of just like staring each other down kind of like two guys like going at it in a boxing match or something like that like all right what do you got show me what you got and they they play they're playing they're both strumming hard they're both going at it and then all of a sudden both of them just lock up they lock up they're back to back and they're intense. They're down on the floor. They're just, this goes on for what? Like 40 seconds to a minute. This goes on for a while. It's really, it's really good. It's really fun to watch. They're down to their knees basically. And just feeling the energy of what Mike is just transpiring off his guitar there. And I think Ed is just like, okay, I can play that fast too. I invented the fast pace. Have you heard, have you heard my versions of Lucan? I play hardcore Lucan. Damn it. This was fun. This was a lot of fun to watch. And I think that maybe I didn't notice any lack of energy from the crowd, but I think that this jolted the crowd a little bit more. I think that this was definitely a moment that, that put in, a little bit extra into the crowd to say, okay, come out for the encore or firing a little bit more. And I, I, I think that's where it all happened. Yeah, I can see that. And and this is a long one too. I think it, it's yeah. pushing 10 minutes, if not over. That Ed and Mike moment is, is fantastic. And I think Better Man is one that it should be in that rotation with, with Portrait Review Mirror. Like it should always be closing the set. Like this is, this is the way it was meant to be. And there's a funny moment I think too. Ed like goes kind of real deep on his voice to try to like throw the crowd off. That was funny. Kind of Elvisy. Yeah, yeah. Just doing Elvis. It's good. And, and again, like this, they're they're just having fun. You can just tell. Like this, this is that kind of a show, and they're they're just having a blast. And yeah, just playing around with it. Twenty songs that clocks in at an hour and forty-five minutes. We ain't done. But we're pausing for station identification because we're at the encore. And guess what? We told you guys last week that now was the time to join Patreon, and boy, were we right. John, what happened? What, what did we do? What did we throw out there on Monday, just randomly? Just brand, brand new, hey, brand new series, right? No, we're not, we're not going to tee anybody up for this. We're, we're just going to put out two new episodes, brand new series, and we're going to start something brand new that we're going to do for probably the next full calendar year. Television, it has it has come. We're going to be we're covering all Pearl Jam's TV performances, late night performances, the late night series, live on four legs after dark, if you will, and uh, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, and there's a lot of good stuff, especially early on, because what we did was 
We released a Patreon. We released Saturday Night Live 1992, which features the live performance and the porch performance, which, uh, of course, the porch performance is just, I mean, it is a gold standard there. And, and we talked about the coat hanger and no Bush 92. And then to you guys, you can actually go and listen to this right now. If you're not a patron, then you can decide if you like that that maybe that kind of series is the kind of thing that you would like to listen to on a more consistent basis. Cause we're going to put these out every couple weeks or so, you know, th- these are, these are good things that are quick for us that, uh, that we can get out there. And that's essentially what we wanted to do to, to sort of buy time in between evolution episodes and other things, because they are easy, easier to manage. You guys can listen to it right after you're done. listening to this episode. VMA is Jeremy. We covered that. I thought that that was a really fun one to talk about because the differences between their excitement for SNL and their just anger and bitterness of being on MTV and there's the stories are completely different for the two of them. And um, this is going to be a really fun series. And and after a while, it's going to be a lot of Letterman stuff, which is just that's the territory. They did Letterman for like four or five albums. That's just what they did. But it doesn't make it any less incredible interesting and some of these versions of these songs that were played on tv you can say is the unequivocal best version of the song so that's why we want to do it because what what other opportunity do we have to cover this stuff you know what i'm saying yeah and it's it's part of the live history so we got to talk about it you're absolutely right so Live on Four Legs on Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com slash live on four legs, or you can download the Patreon app and search for live on four legs. And uh, that's that's where, look, again, it's it's something brand new. It's something that's going to keep going on. And, and I think the next one we're going to do, I think we're going to do the Bob Dylan tribute show. So uh, we're going to do the Masters of War performance from there. And like that's stuff that we just where else would we talk we we'd mention it if we covered masters of war but that specific performance we're not going to do anywhere else so if you're interested in stuff like that and you're interested in evolution episodes because yes that is coming we teed it up before and uh it's it's now in circulation it, it it's going it, to it, it's actually happening <laughs> things are a little slow but we're we're getting there. Hey, it, you gave us a big one. We had to we had to do the work. You you, you said it, man. Uh, but I, I mean, like having to. This is still a new process, and and it's it's a bit of a modern day miracle that we do get the episodes out on time on Wednesday. I just want to put it that way. I make I make sure we make the time for it. My wife is is a saint, letting me do it. So, but we 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 respect and love everybody giving back to us on Patreon. And that's why we want to just put ourselves out there to continue doing that work. So if you want to support us, support the show, it's a lot of it is going to go into what we're going to be doing whenever the tour happens. We're, we're, we're pretty positive about 2022. We don't know. We don't know what's going to happen. Give me that announcement. I'm so ready. I, but we're getting uh, getting to be November here. We're going to, we're pretty positive. We're going to have to find out something soon, hopefully. All right. So, all that stuff, all that great stuff is happening on Patreon and uh, we, we appreciate the support and uh, Hey, well, we got, we got some great things going on too. If you go to our podcast community page, pinned to the top will be a link to our secret Santa event that we, that we're doing. And we did the secret Santa last year and we're going to do this again. We're going to do the zoom on Christmas 
not on Christmas Day, but Christmas time. And it's basically just, hey, everybody buy each other a, a Pearl Jam gift because it's that time of year. It's just time. And, and a lot of us in the community that, especially the people that have been surrounded by the podcast, it just feels like everyone's been real close knit. And it's just nice to see everybody get together. So it's, it's a little thing. You know, last year was really cool. Like, People got each other really cool things. Uh, Javier, I believe, got a Mike McCready pick and like cool. It was just fun. It was fun to see everybody happy. And my goal in life, if I can't be happy, which I'm relatively happy, I like to make everybody else happy. So I would like to, this holiday season, make you happy by giving you some Pearl Jam stuff. And so... There's a link, there's a website called Elfster, and it does some Secret Santa stuff, and you can add your wish list and things to that. I think the deadline for it is going to be November 12th, so you have a little time, but uh, get to it now, get to it now, because, uh, you know, come, come on, gotta get to it, gotta get to it, gotta get numbers here. Uh, but we will be doing the Christmas Zoom again in December, and uh, likely that we will be having live music during it, too. Okay, at the Encore, back to The Rock. And, uh, yep, it's going to be a long Encore. Long Encore 1, long Encore 2, so uh, strap in. Ed's coming out solo and gives another toast to Last Night at Home. Asks for the people in the back to wave, and they they actually start the wave. And uh, they got me a big wave, got me a big wave, got me a big wave. Everybody's doing a wave. I I think pretty much anybody that's not in the arena at that moment hates the wave. Yeah, I, I I was watching this and I was like, no, no, shut it down. No. Dumb. Yeah, not a fan. It's just there, especially during baseball games. Fine. You did. You, I think you I did give a little, a little shout out there. Big wave, big wave. <laughs> right. That's kind of why I, I emphasized yeah. on it too. But yeah. he uh, he goes off to thank the crew and Mud Honey for opening, and so it would be really good if we had a basketball team. And it goes off about a couple other things. I don't want to get into everything, but uh, the important things are the one-year anniversary of the legalization of marijuana and the one-year anniversary of the legalization of same-sex marriage. So crazy that two years later, same-sex marriage would be nationwide, and that's great. And uh, then Ed commends Seattle on being a part of the right side of history, which, of course, Seattle is always ahead of the curve. Uh, The next one is for Lou Reed, and it's the last time that they would play this song live. Again, we always talk about the songs that feel like the staples of a certain tour year, and After Hours was always one that kind of came up in 2013 after Lou Reed had passed. If you close the door, the night could last forever, leave the sun shine out and say hello to never all the people are dancing and they're having so much fun i wish it could happen to me but if you close the door i'll never have to see the day again lou reed's kind of in you know relevant right now because they just released the velvet underground documentary right. did you yeah. did you watch it yet oh it's on my list i've, I've been super busy i've not had a chance but i'm gonna get to it as soon as i can i watched it nice. it's weird <laughs> it's weird but it's really good i just want to see jonathan richmond talk about the velvet underground it, it, it's worth it 
Yeah. It's worth it. It's a phenomenal watch and a lot of stuff. It's a lot of great footage from the 60s and Andy Warhol and all that stuff. And it's a lot of stuff you probably had no idea about Velvet Underground. I didn't have any idea about any of this stuff about who Lou Reed was and what he, what he went through. And yeah, it just it's, it's eye opening and um, but but very well done in kind of like an acid trippy way. So uh, it definitely brings you back to the 60s. The interviews are all very good, too. Uh, but I happen to love After Hours so much that it is one of my uh, bedtime songs for for my baby boy. I sing I sing nice. after I sing After Hours to Ben whenever I need to calm him down or whenever whenever I'm bored and need need to sing a song and get his attention. Look, I would love to see Ed do it at solo shows, but I don't think there's a need to play it at another Pearl Jam show unless there's something specific about Lou Reed that comes up. It would be interesting, and we've, you know, they've they've gone through these little Velvet Underground cover runs. Like there was, you know, I'm waiting for a man. man mm-hmm. Got got thrown in a couple of times, and yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I love this. I think it's really sweet. It it fits the the mood of the show. I think this is the best of the seven times they played it. This is it's really really good. Ed, Ed's having a great time with it. It's a great song. Yeah, love it. The next one, Ed up by saying it was written a long, long time ago in our basement. It's Let Me Sleep. Gold wind blows at the soles of my feet Heaven knows nothing all Now, you might be thinking to yourself, like, oh, okay, just let me sleep. They played this, what, a month ago? You would be right. That's factually correct. They played it a little over a month ago. At this point, this had been the first time that they had played Let Me Sleep since Bridge School 1994, which at that point had been the only time they had played Let Me Sleep. We were told, and we are not sure, we were told by the Friel brothers, I, we are not sure if this is accurate or inaccurate, that there was a show, uh, and, and this has been reported that this happened, uh, in 1990, I think on December 22nd of 1990, that basically nobody showed up to, and the full band wasn't there, I don't think Dave Cruzen was there, and they basically just fucked around and played in front of like 10 people, and they claim, they said, Eddie played the Christmas song. In their words, Eddie played the Christmas song. And I said, let me sleep. He said, yep, that's the one. So I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility, but I I don't have any evidence because nobody had, uh, there was a big snowstorm. Yeah, we we don't have it. It's not confirmed. I think December 21st, New Melody Tavern is the one you're talking about. Right, right. There was supposed to be a benefit. Alice in Chains was supposed to close it. Mm-hmm. Pearl Jam didn't have a drummer. Yeah, it, it makes sense that they would have, but we don't know. We can't. I believe can't that. I believe there. that they. I believe 100%. them that they. They say that they were there. I believe them yeah. because they were at the first show. They yeah. obviously are longtime friends of Mike, but I don't believe that fact. I just want to bring that up because it's a little bit a part of this. However, 
613 shows it had gone since that Bridge School 94 version before they played here. And I want to make this point, and this is what one of the things I love about 2013. You know me, the serious collector guy. In 2013, they made a conceited effort to bring back a lot of stuff from the dead. I went and I did some of the research here because it's pretty easy to do the research when you have such a vast database of like livefootsteps.org, which is phenomenal. If you haven't used it, not using it, then you're you're nothing. You're nobody. No, I'm kidding. You, you should go use it. I was able to get all this information here and I'm going to recite to you now every song that had been waiting at least uh, like 45 to 50 shows in 2013, and I'm going to do, do them all, before they had pl- brought it back. So we're going to start Pittsburgh, Speed of Sound, 64, Worcester 1, Fatal, 68, Worcester 2, Other Side, 50, Gone, 87, Brooklyn 1, Sleight of Hand, 48, Philly 2, Satan's Bed, 52, Hartford, Fucking Up, 45. I know it's a cover, but Fucking Up is kind of a staple cover. I added another one or two of those. Charlottesville, Thumbing My Way, 155, Big Wave, 47, Little Wing, 97, Charlottesville, also tons of other stuff that you almost never get, maybe not the numbers in between shows, but I think a lot of those performances were probably the only one from this tour, Charlotte, B-Girl, 46, along the Watchtower, 74, Dallas, Can't Keep, 127, that's a big number, Oklahoma City, Parting Ways, 98. Phoenix, Around the Bend, 170. That's uh, the second biggest number from the list, but the biggest non-cover number. San Diego has a few. Tremor Christ, 75. Army Reserve, 78. Light Years, 46. LA 1, All or None, 143. LA 2, No Way, 64. Oakland Thin Air, 137. Portland, you are 46. Spokane, don't give me no lip, 165. And I won't back down, 201. Vancouver, soon forget, 164. And gonna see my friend, 56. And obviously, Seattle, let me sleep, 613. That is 18 of the 25 shows where they did something that you can probably consider ultra rare. Pretty good. Do you know what song has the highest yes number yes and i'm not i'm not considering just a girl because just a girl hasn't been brought back right it's brother with 804 that's right i did the research and the second longest is angel with 699 the third would go to let me sleep here so that 613 is the third Fans in good mood, fan service. Why not play something you hadn't played in 15 years? Right. And it's their last show of the tour. It's in December. Yeah. Like we mentioned before, yeah. they're never playing in December. I thought it was weird that they played Let Me Sleep in September. That's not a September song, you guys. I think a lot of people were just probably in absolute shock. So, yeah. All right. Uh, this is this is great. I This is one of my favorite moments from the show. Ed says 11 years ago. And you know what? You're just going to have to listen to Ed because I can't tell the story as good as he will. So here you go. Uh, I'll tell you a story about a little girl and her dad. Uh, she was about seven years old. It was in the Hawaiian Islands. And uh, 
the dad had just come across, he, he just came in from a boat ride in early morning, and he came in, and his daughter was there on the dock, and, 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 and he was about to tell the daughter, we're not going out again. He had told her they were going out. He said, we're not going out again. It's too rough, it's too rough. And, and it was just her, he was on his own. His name was Keith Baxter. And, and he pulled into port in Maui, and his daughter was there, seven years old, little blonde girl. And, and she said, Dad, you promised, you promised. And he said, it's too rough out there, it's too rough. She said, you promised you were gonna take me across to the other island and take a peek. And he said, it's too rough, baby. And she insisted, she insisted. He took her on the boat ride. They got about halfway to the other island, maybe a little farther. Uh, big waves in the, in the middle of the channel. It's a, the Pa'ilolo Channel or something. Like 15 foot waves in the middle of the channel. And this little girl, she was out there and she somehow heard voices. She heard voices amongst all the wind and these big, big rolling waves in the middle of this channel. And then, then they stop, they stop, turn the engines off to listen. And then they listen, they listen. And then they heard voices out there. And then they looked up and they saw a couple paddles, a couple canoe paddles in the middle of this channel. There was three people in the middle of the channel drifting. They would have drowned if they wouldn't have found these people. Or a 70% chance they would have drowned. These people probably wouldn't have lived if it weren't for this little girl that heard this voice and made the dad stop and encouraged the dad. She saved these three people's lives. The reason I know this story and I know it well, I was one of those three people. And that little girl who was seven years old, uh, I haven't met her since then, uh, or I haven't seen her since then. Her name is Ashley Baxter and, and she made it to Seattle for the show. I just want to introduce you to Ashley real quick and thank her. Wow, <laughs> that, I think before that, there had been some stories reported and maybe Ed had mentioned it once, but we didn't know the full details of what had happened out there. And here we, we really kind of get into, okay, this was a serious situation and they really could have, Ed, Eddie and, and his friends really could have died. And if it wasn't for this seven-year-old girl who convinced her father to go out on a boat during the rough waters. Uh, if it wasn't for that, then who the hell knows? But uh, boy, sometimes coincidences and like these, those things can just be the perfect moments at the perfect time. Like that's wow. That's I, I really, really just loved hearing the story. Yeah. It's one of, one of the best. It's just a fantastic moment and that, that they're able to, to bring her out on stage, you know, mm -hmm. all these years later. And yeah, it's, it's, it's touching. I mean, it's, it kind of hits you. Like if you're not familiar with it or if you hadn't seen it in a long time, you like, and when he, he kind of like tells it where he, he's like, Oh, and then, and that person was me. And you're like, Oh, this is very cool. You know, it's, it's funny. If you do the math, he said she was seven and it was 11 years ago. She comes on stage Ed gives her the big, uh, the big, know, big right? boy wine bottle. Yeah, yeah. So she's no, out there, not, eighteen, not legal. yeah, eighteen years old, swinging from big ass wine bottle. There's no breaking, hiding that. Breaking the law, yeah. However, she saved Eddie Vedder's life, man. Come on, <laughs> breaking the law, breaking the law. Yeah, yeah. Future days. Right. No, that's, that's a great story. 
Yeah, Future Days follows that up, and usually Future Days, and maybe even after a story like this, Future Days could be, like, overly emotional and sentimental. I thought that this was, like, a happy moment. I thought that this was feel-good. It's like, we're we're happy that we have this this future together, that we be able to be here today. We're thankful for it instead of, like, just, like, kind of... Sometimes they can get a little bit too sappy with it, and you're just kind of, like, lost in... I don't know. It, it's this just is that kind of a show. This, I mean, if you're going to do something sappy, yeah. this, this after that moment, then uh, yeah, absolutely. And like, I, but it's I, not I sappy. That's what gonna, I'm saying. It's not yeah, sappy. Yeah. I I said before I was going to do a 180 on this. I love this encore. This is one of the best encore ones that I that I've seen in a long time. Nearly every song is is perfect. I thought you know, and again, Future Days might seem like you're you know you're coming off this big moment with Let Me Sleep and like. Yeah, you you need you're gonna play a new one, and it, it could kind of be a letdown. But after that story, I think it fits perfectly. Like, it fits the moment yep. perfectly well, hundred percent. I I love all these songs in Songcore One. I think it it's the high the, uh, no hands down the highlight of the show. The song wasn't trying to put anybody to tears, but it gave people it, yeah. it was it was warm feeling. It was it was a happy moment that we're happy that they're there, and it's not like sometimes they can just dedicate it to like uh for for somebody that. You know, we're 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 hoping they make it through or something like that, and it's just like okay, it's depressing. And you're right, it, it worked here. It worked with the story, and I, I like that it had more of an upbeat feel to it. Boom, booms. That that's all thanks to Boom too. I think Boom had a more of a happy-go-lucky kind of B3 vibe on it instead of just a more straight-up piano. But Daughter comes after Future Days. Daughter was not originally supposed to come after Future Days. That was supposed to be Sleeping By Myself and another rarity, Hold On. So this crowd already, they missed out on Of The Earth and Hold On. That's, yeah, that's that brutal. hurts a little bit. That, yeah. that stinks. That stinks. Right, look, I get you got a song that 613 shows it hadn't been played, and that's, that's, that, that is very good, but those are two songs that when you get... Black and Daughter replacing them, you're kind of like, okay, well, I can see Black and Daughter every show. Can't see the other two anytime ever. Yeah, and uh, it's interesting too because you would you would normally think like Daughter would go in the main set and Black would be in the encore, but yeah. I like that they kind of flipped them. I you know I think Daughter's an interesting one, and you know there's no real big tag moment here. But I think that's probably because it wasn't on the set list. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. They had nothing planned, and they it, it ended abruptly too. If you listen to the end, it it kind of just kind of all right. Where where are we going with this? Ed is off mic. He's not doing any call and response. And okay, well, then let's go into the the singles trio quartet, whatever you want to call it. I want to call a quartet. I I feel bad leaving Chloe Dancer out of it. Like Chloe Dancer should be a part of it. It's, as its, it's own, it's a, it's a trio. If you're gonna call it, if, if you're gonna go with it the way it was on singles, you gotta call it a trio. I, I'm looking at the way it is on the set list, though, and yeah. Chloe Dancer counts as its own song on the set list. Weigh in if you want to argue this. Weigh in. Is it a trio or is it a quartet? We can be on this argument all day, but we're not gonna be. However, <laughs> we never brought this idea of these three songs together up when we did all that. Remember that trio nonsense that we did? Yeah, yeah. When we did the the yeah. I and the me section, we did yeah. all those songs or I and the you, and then we came up with a thousand more trios. We never came up with this one, and this one might be one of the best. It, yeah, it very well might be. This is 
all these songs are just perfect. Crown of Thorns is being performed in Seattle for the first time since the 2000 Seattle shows. That was the second time they ever did it, coming, what, a week or so after the Vegas show, and they played it the first night. We did the second night, but we haven't done the first night. At some point, I'm sure we'll do it when we need to get on another Seattle show since we're kind of throwing them all away here. But they had never done Chloe Dancer in Seattle, and really... Before 2013, they hadn't done Chloe Dancer much at all. Not 2000, yet, 2011 was the first time they really busted it out as like yeah. a full intro to this. And and you, you call it a full song. It's called a full song in, in, in Live Footsteps because it, it is the full, but it's it's really getting you into Crown of Thorns. But they do it two, two times in 2011. And then 2013, it's... Every single time that Crown of Thorns is played, it's played along with it. And it's played six times, which is a lot for, for Crown of Thorns. Not something you get very often, but I feel like they were bringing this back. And I was also at three of those six shows, which is kind of, I was kind of going through a Crown of Thorns thing at the time. So, mm. which is great because that, that Toronto version was like one of the best performances that I had heard of a show that I hadn't been to. It was one of my favorite things. So, yeah, like a whole lot of special things going on here. It's just, you know, Bruce Fairweather's in the crowd. He mentions Kim Taylor's in there, and he's going to show up later. But it feels at this point, it feels like they're paying tribute to Seattle. And, like, there's no better way to do it than to bring up the movie that literally was made to define that city in that era. Yeah, this has to be the only time that these these three have been played in order like this. I'm not even going to check. I know it's right. Yeah. Uh, and just watching, again, when this song is played, I always look to, to watch Jeff and Stone and see, see their reactions and watch them while they're playing. It's, it's always a cool moment. This show's got some really good moments. This might be the best one. Yeah, this, this, whole, this whole thing, from the story that Ed tells next... Yeah. Yeah. to the end of State of Love and Trust, the whole thing, it's one of those moments you wish you were there for because you, you're right, you will n- probably never get it again because now they're cognizant of it. Now they're cognizant yeah. that, that, that they, they've done it. Why would they go back to that well? This yeah, has not, to stand. And not to take anything away from, from Breath and State of Love and Trust. No, Breath I want to talk about I'm, Breath and State of Love yeah, and Trust. Breath is amazing. i it. Yeah, okay. So, Ed says, the very first time the song was played, 
was in Seattle. It was their first show. It was at uh, the Off-Ramp. Yeah. But the last time they played it in Seattle was 1992. It was the Moore Theater Show where they tagged War Pigs on it. That was the last time they had played it in Seattle. I find that to be incredible. shows that they had done think about the shows that we had covered yep and look there's going to be a lot of those that they literally probably couldn't do it at because they hadn't brought it back yet but think about that seattle 2000 show that would have been a great one to pull out before alive to kind of give the crowd like oh my god they're really they're doing something huge for us because they only played it once in two in 2000 it's here for this, and I thought Breath was absolutely a highlight. And and it's so shocking that they hadn't brought it back because out of all of these songs, Breath the most, and maybe out of all of Pearl Jam songs, I think when I think of Breath, I think of the city of Seattle, thanks to the movie. I hmm. I, I connect the two. I, I think he connected with State of Love and Trust as well. All of that reminds me of of Seattle. Yeah, it's uh, it feels like this it, it fits in perfectly. Like sometimes the song just fits with the moment, and breath here is it always seems to do that. This is just one of those special songs, and like it always has a special place for people. And it's always like we obviously the camp people know about the campaign and stuff, but this is still you know got the twenty three years later and people are still like the song's still special and, and maybe because it, it's just on that soundtrack and people like revere that soundtrack myself included and it's, it's like as soon as they kick into it everyone kind of perks up and goes oh cool and we've talked yes. about there, there are not a lot of songs that can follow you know Chloe and Crown mm-hmm. a lot of times it's black and like Breath can do that because it's tied in with it on that record and mm-hmm. it's it's one of those I think they might think of it as a song for like the hardcore fans but it's really not it's it's a song for I think everyone knows it and yeah just very very cool here I love, it just hit me like as soon as Crown of Thorns ended I was, I was watching I was like as soon as Breath started I was like oh cool and like I said you know I, I mentioned you know the main set kind of like yeah bored me a little bit got a little stale didn't feel like it hit where it should have hit but this encore like this elevates this this show a ton i I love this yeah i agree i this whole section is is awesome it's a great tribute to the hometown state of love and trust too look it's not a dog on state of love and trust great phenomenal and even in breath you see ed getting up on the speaker he's singing right to the audience like that's another moment like they usually do big things like that in breath i think we mentioned a couple weeks ago when we did the 98 version from hartford that doesn't get played because maybe it needs to be saved for those special moments because if it gets played say you have like 20 shows a tour if it gets played 15 of those shows is it special anymore yes just throwing it out there 
maybe maybe they think it's even more special when you only do it three of those shows. Just throwing that out there. Ed kind of meta before getting into State of Love and Trust is like, all right, what else we got from the record? And really what that is, is a genius admitting and admiring his own work of putting a set list together and knowing, ah, I, know, I know what's coming. I, I did this on purpose. Good yeah, job. He knows, he knows more than he lets on. It's, yeah. not, it's not an accident. No. State of Love and Trust is highlighted by a bunch of horrible, ugly singers from the crowd. Okay, sorry, I didn't mean horrible, but ugly. No, I'm I'm kidding. You're all wonderful people, and I'm sure you're not listening. Uh, but they get a chance to participate in American Idol Pearl Jam version, and they are not good. But they're having fun, and that's the most important part. They get a participation trophy for doing the job, and getting to do something that almost nobody has ever gotten to do. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, good, good on him, good on him, but it was not on key. Porch uh, yeah. ends this set. Oh boy. Porch in 2013, I feel like, had kind of, in a way, a comeback, and it was pretty much played every single night. I can get the numbers on that right now. 24 shows, so 24 out of 25. Yeah. It was played at every show but one. I would care to say it's probably closed either the main set or encore every single time because they made it a moment. All the orbs come down, and Jeff and Mike are just, they're going one-on-one. They're dueling with these orbs, and they're looking at each other the whole time like, yeah, let's get him, let's get him. And they're joking with each other. While Stone on the other side is just cool as a cucumber, man. <laughs> he's like, orb swings by, he's like, cool, man. Yeah, all right. What else you got? It doesn't give a shit. Uh, but Jeff and Mike are having a lot of fun with them and swinging and swatting at them and, and, and all that. Even Booms, did you get to see Boom got the swat one? Oh, cool. Yeah. 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 Boom, Boom got in on the action too. Uh, but Ed, Ed does his whole, you know, leaves, comes back. Big one model shows up again. And obviously, you, you, you kind of got to numb yourself before doing something like this. An orb has dropped to his level. So now it's time to go up top, and uh, yeah, he is he is on that thing, and he's a swinging a little bit. He's got a little uh, attachment. He's got a little, I wouldn't call it a harness. It's more of like a noose that he's holding on to. This is as Ed Antiky for 2013 as, as you're going to get. I, I mean, he, he climbed the scaffold at Sea Here Now, and I thought that I, that was very impressive for for mid-50s Ed to do that. And this is really impressive for mid-40s Ed to do that. But Brooklyn, he did the same thing. I think he was doing a... I didn't go back and look, and I should have. I'm pretty sure he was doing a full-on Tarzan swing in Brooklyn. (laughs) Pretty sure of it. But doesn't really do that here. However, he's got the mic draped all the way down. He's just singing up there and he's kind of holding himself up and uh but that's that's ed the showman and that's what you do at big shows that are going to close your tour in your hometown you're going to make them bigger than they are on paper just having fun this to me i think the thing that stuck out to me about this is is mike just showing off like everyone everyone gets out of his way and he goes full eddie van halen whatever you want to call it for at least a minute he just showing off doing his thing and it's just like okay my turn like yeah yeah do your thing man i don't think it gets much bigger than that 
moment-wise, making a moment. You got making a moment that that you write about sometimes. Yeah, like this. Yeah, I, uh, this is this is the kind of thing that you remember. And if you're there in the audience, you're like, holy shit, that's a visual I'll never forget. I, I'll never for, forget him being on the orb in in Brooklyn. That was, that was one of my favorite moments from the show. Also, if you didn't go to the show and you found out about it that night of what happened, and back then you're not watching a live stream, you're not looking for a Tom Jones or anything like that, but you're probably digging around somewhere, you definitely, uh, you wish you were there. That's one of those things, it's like, ah man, I wish I could have seen something like that, because that's a spectacle. That's, it's bigger than a a song, it's, 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 it's entertainment, it's entertainment, And, and they know how to do it right, so. Encore 2... Mike comes out and talks. Mike gets the mic because I'm sure Ed uh, was was very tired after all that. So uh, he's kind of doing some promotion for KEXP, which they were raising money to move to a different area. Ed now speaking. Here's to the old team. Hopefully the future team. Nope. Uh, you got a Kraken instead. Congratulations. Uh, but a, a new arena and, you know, along with that, hopefully some shows and maybe maybe they, they settle in at some point in 2022. Who knows? We don't know if it's if this song is about the team or the band that came out of Seattle called the Sonics. But here's to the Supersonics, which they play Supersonic. In Oklahoma City this year, they played Supersonic. <laughs> and they Ed did. went on a fucking tirade ripped into the owners and he like I think he said a couple times like no 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 it's not your fault it's not your guys fault I love your basketball team it's not your fault but those fucking owners and and went through the whole thing that was going on but I I think the Sonics had moved well before that because Durant was drafted I want to say in 07 so they had moved in probably 2008 so they had played at Key Arena and and probably played Supersonic at Key Arena before that point. I, I know we just did a show in 2009. I don't think they did Supersonic at that show, but I think they did it the next night. I don't know if they addressed this that that whole situation. But yeah, yeah, it was um, 2000. It was 2008 that they okay. Yeah. My sports knowledge comes into play. Great. Okay. Um, here it is. I kind of teed up that I was going to mention this before, but like. You're going back to the last record to start the second encore instead of going to some of your like staple songs like a go a why go animal hell hell like well, I, I know you love got some in an encore well that's what i'm that's what i'm saying that's that's sort of where all this is coming from because every time that i went to a yeah. show in 2013 where they're picking up momentum the show was getting really good and they're like oh Got some comes in the encore. You're like, what the fuck? This doesn't fit. And okay, so the backspacer stuff is packaged together, and Supersonic does sound good. However, they could have done something that was better. I, that, that's well, something super, that was Supersonic. Better I get because it's the tie-in and the thing. Like they're they're gonna right, but they could have done that earlier in the set. Yeah, they could have done that earlier in the night. Encore two needs to be special, man. I'm not going to argue with you. I don't mind it as much as you do, but, like, yeah, after that fucking Dynamite Encore 1, right? like, you're, yeah, come out with a go or come out with, do an animal, do something fucking crazy, like. Well, 
you're gonna come out and be safe and do two backspacer songs it is it kind of it did suck the life out of a little bit for me what about why go like the whole point of this 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 show is you're at home and and you're ending the tour why go home like isn't that doesn't that make sense like that would have been a perfect opener to this encore and shit, even if we didn't even get a song after Why Go, if it just went Why Go in a rearview mirror, I would have been happy. Would have been fine with that. Uh, it's yeah, it's it my even, it even no. takes a little, and you know, going on it even, I think it even takes a little bit out of rearview mirror too, because like I talked about how kind of Garden into Getaway was kind of weird. Like, got some into rearview mirror is a little weird. Yeah, like, yeah, just very, just a. A weird dichotomy there between songs. It's it's an it's an abrupt kind of shift. Yeah, it's not something you'll ever see again. I mean, you barely even see River Mirror until live as it is. It, it River Mirror's probably in most nights in the porch spot. But look, I'm I'm sure they're thinking to themselves like, let's we got big guns and we we just gave this crowd two from the last record that they're probably gonna say, eh, not for us. River Mirror is more palatable for all that, but you could have, you could have went go wide, go rear view mirror guys. But even listening to this rear view mirror, like it wasn't, it didn't like, I didn't like, Oh shit, this is great. Like it wasn't a a standout, like hands down, like lock me in rear view mirror. It was, and I think that that's probably cause I kind of after during got some, I probably tuned out a little bit. Good. I, I, I I was more focusing on like what, the transition between rearview mirror and alive was going to be like going through the numbers. It hadn't been played in that tandem since 2005, but then 2018, they seem to have done it five times. Hmm. That's uh that's odd. Interesting. But yeah. I guess they, they were feeling it then, but no, you, you would not get these two songs back to back because they kind of give you the same premise of like a big, finale kind of ending it wasn't weird but it was definitely different but you're just you just want to get all the big songs at the end and uh i thought look i I thought alive hit well i i I thought that it was definitely a party at that point there's shit getting thrown around there's like little little war pigs at the end too we talked about war pigs earlier little war pigs little war pigs there was a soccer ball thrown on stage ed had a shirt that was thrown at him and if you saw his face the shirt was around the mic stand and then like he seemed to be okay with it for a second then all of a sudden his eyes shift and he chucks the shirt away he's like fuck this i don't know why but just all of a sudden just fucking didn't want that thing but look it's it's a big party. Mike is rocking out and going through the whole entire crowd. It was a cool moment. This is your realization here. Your happy, sad realization. This is for, for the band, a little bit of both. For the crowd, a little bit of both. For all the followers, all the travelers, a little bit of both. This is that your incredible night, your incredible tour is is winding down to its its final beat. It has that feel of let's leave it all on the stage and, and uh that's the way they do things. That's the way they do things. That's the that's the way they sound the best. The party atmosphere is just for this show. I think you're looking for stuff like that. So, but here we go. We're 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 like on the the last leg of this here. Ed kind of does his introductions and then mentions as a, a nice little thing where he says, "We just hope we've been good ambassadors for this town, and not all groups can be proud of their heritage, but we hope we've lived up." 
to the legacy of all the bands before and uh, and after us. And then talks about all the different flags, nations, whatever occurred during that time seemed that Nelson Mandela was in the news. Did he pass away in 2013? I thought that that was long before that. But yeah, I don't know. I didn't go back and look. Yeah. He mentions Nelson Mandela, and, and with all the flags, he's like, Nelson Mandela would be proud of this, but also Nelson Mandela, of course, was a huge Mud Honey fan. I, I mean, that's <laughs> the first thing That's the first thing that pops up on his Wikipedia. Nelson Mandela. Uh, <laughs> Wiki- <laughs> I can't. I, I can't. I can't, you guys. This has gone on far enough. But Mark Arm, Steve Turner, Kim Tail on stage. Uh, it, it's always one of three different outcomes. So... Let's summon the gods here. We can summon the gods with one thing. Don't need no mom and dad. Nope, didn't didn't get anything. Okay, let's try again. Um, uh, the world's most forgotten boy. Nope, didn't get anything. All right. Well, what time is it? I have no idea what time it is. But wait a second. Let me think. Ladies and gentlemen of Seattle, Washington, it's time to kick out the jams, motherfuckers! party song and this is like i said one of three songs that you usually get with this combination that comes on stage i think every time that that they've come on they've either done sonic reducer or search and destroy or yeah this and it's great it's look they're they're having the biggest celebration with the sound of the motor city and uh and that is where ed gets tackled by we believe and perceive to be Matt Lucan. Now we can look for a picture of Matt Lucan. I don't know. Do you want to look? Uh, we can I think it, look I, up it's, it's hard to tell because like he used to have long hair, but like he is super tall and but Ed's short. But I'm um, again ninety percent sure. It's 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 one hundred percent Matt Lucan. I just pulled up a picture of him, and that is the guy. Yeah. That that's exactly him. It, that's it. Case closed. Live before legs. Detective agency has solved another one. But do you do you remember? There's there's an Allison Chains. One of their first, I think it's the Sap EP where they had a song that I think Mark Arm played on, and they Ooh. they there's a little note in the liner notes that says like, oh, this song was performed by they they combine the names somehow like Alice Mudgarden. They have like one of somebody from Soundgarden comes in a place, so I'm calling this Mud Pearl Garden. Mud Pearl Garden, yeah. As they, if they were gonna take this on the road, that's that's like if if, uh, if if Chris Cornell never decided he wanted to put Temple of the Dog together, it probably would have been Mud Pearl Garden. <laughs> and did you see? I, I think even Mike gives his guitar to to uh, Tim Julio Stereo members. Do you did you see what he was doing down at the crowd? This is funny. 
He was giving something out. Uh, yeah, do you know I, what it was? Could you tell? Not Bibles. Nope. It was the the new Christmas single featuring his song Turning Mist. Oh, okay. That's what that was. Yep, he had a he had a stack of Christmas singles and he was down there throwing them out to people in the front row. Very he was cool. Proud of his little song. I thought it Very was good. Good for him. I actually in the last thing that I wrote for the website, the top 50 thing, I actually made a turning mist reference. Saw so. that. Saw that. <laughs> uh, not, I'm sure a lot of people looked at that and they're like, oh, what? But, yep. Uh, it is probably the most obscure Pearl Jam song. Yeah. The most, yep. Mm-hmm. There's a party going on on stage, and, and Mike just is trying to be like, hey, guys, that's, I did a song. Uh, but look, he's about to do a song right now. He's about to do two, maybe even you want to consider three of it. But Mark Arm asking, anybody know how to play Eruption? And Ed claims that the he's the only person that he knows that knows how to sing it. So we get an Eruption solo, which, again, another 2013 heavy thing. They weren't really doing it a lot before 2013. And another thing that out of the six shows they did in 2013, I was at three of them. That happened with Crown of Thorns, Chloe Dancer. It happened with... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know what? It probably happened with Got Some in the Encore, too. Just saying. Uh, weird stats. Weird stats. But all the guests leave the stage. The band gets their final moment to shine in 2013. Ed gets up on the barricade for one last moment with the crowd. And then everybody kind of leaves Mike for himself to get a little bluesy jam in before going in a little wing. Ed closes it out nice little speech about being brothers and getting an opportunity to do this and having an opportunity to be alive. And whenever there's a bow with the whole entire band and they make a thing of it, you know that they've accomplished something good. You know, it's been a big show and uh, it has been two hours that we've been talking about this right now. So you know that we've put a lot of effort into it, but that that's, that's the effort that they put into it too. So that's that's a wrap on that. With any other thoughts from what happened at the end? I know you hate eruption, but yeah, it doesn't do anything for me. Um, I, I know Mike's a good guitar player; he doesn't have to prove it to me. Little Wayne, I think, is is nice. I I, I was kind of hoping they would they would go off on a, on a, a little Little Wing jam there, but just mm. a little bit from Mike. And but yeah, it's cool. All right, that's the show. Um, there were 36 songs played and uh, probably a lot more moments made. So we're going to pick three of them and make them definitive of what this was. John, you're going first because that's how this works. Um, yeah, all of mine are from, from Encore One. Uh, After Hours, uh, Let Me Sleep, and The Story with the seven-year-old girl. And uh, then the, the, the Chloe Breath and State of Love and Trust. All good moments. Um, yeah. I'm look. I gotta give it to Better Man. I gotta give it to Better Man. Just the seeing Ed and Mike do that, like that's not every day. And I think somebody brought up. I think it might have been Gabe that brought it up. But they did that at the Hall of Fame, and I actually don't remember. But that was that was a moment. That was a really cool moment, and I can't get that visual out of my head. And and just one that. Uh, you know, they're, they're not going to pull that out all the time. They're not going to feel that moment. So I got, I got to give it to that. And I'm going to, this might seem cheesy. I'm going to give it to porch too. I'm going to say the porch and him doing the, the hijinks and all that crap. Like I, I'm going to give it to that. Cause I think that is a fun visual, but also 
all of what the performance was too, because I, again, those are visuals, but the performance was excellent. The, the Mike Zola was unreal. And it's just another big moment for this big hometown crowd. The best moment from this night is if you want to call it a trio, if you want to call it a quartet, it's all of these. It's from Chloe to crown to breath to state. It's everything in this section. Love it. And I, I hope they never do it again. And not because I don't want to see it, but because this moment gets to kind of stand above and beyond anything else that, that they do. So best moment from the night. Absolutely. And probably my favorite out of the, out of the, the bunch is probably breath out of, out of the, out of the three or four of those. So, mm. all right. The, you, this, this was a little contentious for you. And I look, I, I, if, if the hall of fame ratings mean we have to both give it a 10, I don't think this one's going into the live on four legs hall of fame. However, it could be voted into other Hall of Fames and that we're not affiliated with. But however, you guys can make that if you want. But we're gonna we make our own Hall of Fames here. I'm assuming that it's not going in the Hall of Fame for you. Uh correct. I, I I did, you know, cop to being a little bit bored during the main set. A lot of stuff that that could have been moments wasn't. Um but still some good stuff. But and then again at, at the end, you, you get an encore two. Talked about it. It's kind of strange. Eruption again doesn't do anything for me. So if if you take out encore one, this is like a six for me, six and a half. But this encore one is just amazing. Song after song, that bumps it up to an eight for me. That's that. Yeah, that's that's a fair assessment. I'm actually I'm sticking with. What I had thought before coming into the show, and I think a lot of your points, I, 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 I agree with a lot of them. And, you know, I, I don't think I would give this a 10 because there were some just some things set list wise, like Supersonic and Gotsum and the Encore. I get Supersonic being there. That's a purpose for that. But, but you know how Gotsum sings me a little bit. I don't disagree with you that some of the stuff in the early part of the set, but I think that that's also building. That's building to what you get in, in Encore 1. And I, I sort of think, you know, it, it's kind of like when you watch movies, the, the first uh, 25 minutes of the movie doesn't matter. It, what matters is where the plot thickens and, and gets gets exciting. And that aspect, you're 100% right. I think it starts at Better Man, but I think it, you know, it climaxes at the singles combination and even gets better and, you know, entertaining later on when you kind of finish the night with, with all the kick out the jams and the live and, and eruptions and stuff like that, too. I, I think it's special. And I think these special moments deserve to be put on a, a pretty high scale, not the highest, but a pretty high one. This is a nine for me. This is deserving to be a nine. I, I I enjoyed this show. I had a fun time listening to it. I listened to it twice. And some shows are going to have their imperfections. And this one certainly had a couple. With 36 songs, you're not going to have a perfect set, you guys. You're just not going to have that. But the stuff that was good was really good. So this is a nine for me. 17 out of 20, it's the Hall of Very Good. It's like the Dale Murphy, you know, just... Uh, careful, careful. I, I'm, look, 
I sh- I can poke at the Braves right now. The Braves are having some success right now. So I don't I don't know by the time this episode comes out if if, yeah. if careful again. Stage, careful. <laughs> it is Atlanta still. I mean, I just maybe 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 let a guy pitch more than 5 innings and if it doesn't let up a hit. Just saying, just saying, just saying, but Anyway, look, when the Mets make the World Series next year, you can hassle me about that, but they're not because we're not getting baseball next year. Anyway, thank you for tuning in. Let's talk about next week. So this was a Patreon request this week. Next week is a Randy request. Believe it or not, they don't happen that often. (laughs) This is true. It's true. Yeah, like we try to mix in a lot of the Patreon stuff and we try to do like series so we can really focus and and put attention on important facets throughout their history. And, and we, you know, obviously this being 30 years uh, of Seattle, we, we thought that that would be a big theme for the year. And there might be a theme for 2022. We'll think about it at some point. There, there, there will be something. However, every now and again, I want to put my foot down and say, I got to do this show because this is a really good fucking show. And it's of an era that I feel like we haven't done. Have we done this? Have we done this year? I mean, all year. Red Rocks. Red Rocks. Yeah. Piss Bottle Men and Red Rocks. So, yeah, Yeah. we 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 did. We really did the year. But, man, those felt like feel like ages ago compared to what we've done now. Like sometimes you, you just you forget that stuff. Salt Lake City, night two, 1995. And uh, if you don't know what that's known for, it's, uh, it is the live debut of Brain of Jay, you guys. That's a big deal to me. I think it's, it's a big enough deal to what the history of Pearl Jam is, but we're going to get to hear the first germ of the song as john likes to, to call it and get to to feel what they're we're trying to go for it and, and you know we'll talk about how they recorded it for no code didn't end up on the record but then somehow it escalated to yield so look they only did it two times before 1998 the other time was san jose which is a show we covered a very long time ago I mean, like Matt and I were babies back then, essentially, when we covered that one. So we're that that that's been checked off. That the John is 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 colored in that box. So Salt Lake City, night two, nineteen ninety five. For all you old school people, that should be a really really good one. Oh, can't wait. Can't wait. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Show. That does that. Do you think that one has Hall of Fame potential? It's possible. Possible. Okay. Yeah, I, there are a lot of shows that we both give 9.5s, and I would consider them to be like the vote in on the on the last year Hall of Fame, like St. Petersburg and Buffalo 2003. Like those might still be Hall of Fame to me. I don't know. Do they have to be? Ten, do they have to be 10 out of 10s? I think it's got to be 10 out of 10. Okay, I, I, then I I won't I won't confront the system. Yeah, we got to keep we got to keep the riffraff out. I, okay, that, but you know what? That's like that's that's not the hall very good. That's the hall great. Let's see if we oh, yeah. have. Oh yeah, absolutely. Let's see if we have a hall of famer next week. We won't turn this into a thing, by the way. Well, this is just like we got it brought up, so figured 
mess with it a little bit but uh again we have the brand new series that's over on patreon that you can go and check out uh saturday night live 1992 that we released there that's the first episode but we put out the second episode that came out at the same exact time we put out the second episode on the regular platform so if you're like neurotic about like you know ah, i gotta listen to the whole thing and the whole series and gotta intake it all at once then you you only you listen to the second you listen to the second one first. You have to head over to Patreon. It's only a dollar a month, guys. It, it helps us when we are going to go out on tour and hopefully do a lot of these shows when uh, when they come up. And hopefully in 2022, I believe it's going to be in 2022. That that's the positivity in me. But yes, uh, it all goes to stuff that we're going to be doing for that. So. Patreon.com slash live and four legs. That's where you can find SNL 92 if you want to go listen to that right now. Unless if you haven't listened to Jeremy yet, then hey, go wherever you found this episode, go and listen to that. It's probably right next to it. So, all right. We talked a lot. 36 songs is going to get a big train of a show, and and uh, and we fulfilled that. So I want to thank everybody for tuning in for that long and being a part of this. Come back next week, and we'll have another good one for you. Salt Lake City, 1995. This has been the end. We're here, not for much longer, and although we may be parting ways, I miss you already, I miss you always, and so does John. John misses you always and already, too. I don't want to leave John out of that, because it's always I, and it's really a we, so it's both of us. But John, I, I, miss, always, I miss about half of you. <laughs> he, he's right, you know. <laughs> John has his little quote that he likes to say at the end. After I say, uh, you know, farewell, John gets to say something like, All the sunshine of your smile has been turning in the mist. Thanks so much.
Thanks so much. We like what we do, and we, and we, we sometimes think we're getting better, but we can only do it with, with your support, and, and um, we're just so grateful, because we're, we're brothers, and, and you allow us to be that, and, um, you know, it, it's, it's nice to have the chance to get better and, and grow old, uh, yeah, and, and not die, be alive. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for supporting us and all those things.